0: Hey everybody, this is Andrew Connell with the Cloud Dev Clarity, uh, episode six show. And today, Julie and I are gonna talk about something that get a lot of questions about, and we thought it'd be a great topic to cover today. So it's all about the Azure Resource Tour. Now it's not everything, we're gonna talk about what we use, why we use it, and what some of our favorite things are that we have inside of Azure that we like to use a lot, and why. Hello, Julie. Hey.
1: Hey, nice to see you again, Andrew.
0: Good to see you too. It's been a little while since we got together and did this.
1: That's right. So we've had a few weeks since we released our first uh, five episodes and uh, we've had some pretty good feedback so far. I'm I'm excited.
0: I was very, I was a little surprised, pleasantly surprised. (laughs) I was a little surprised at the number of people that were like pumped up about what we were doing and why we were doing it.
1: I think we hit uh, a nerve. Um, the reasons that we had for starting this really resonated with other people too. And that felt really good. So yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: It, 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 felt like stuff. It's always nice when you have an idea about something and you're like, I really think that we need to do something like this. And then I'm doing this because I know that I feel like I like to get together and talk to you about it. I mean, we talked about this in our earlier episodes, but not only do I like to get together and talk to you about this kind of stuff, but I like the, um, I just like to the, the cover the topic, and just it's fun to talk about it, and it's cool validation to see when some people that you know or something you don't know jump in and they're like, "Oh my god, this has been so needed in the community or whatever." It's like, yeah, eh, cool.
1: Yep, I so. totally know what you mean.
0: Cool. Um, one thing I do want to we do we did want to cover before we really dive into this is I want to I want to kick off. Let's show this little teaser here. Um, Is that Julie and I wanted to stand up a little bit of a community or at least a place where people can interact with us and um, talk about upcoming episodes, talk about the current episodes going on. And the way we're doing this, while we're still publishing these um, to YouTube, um, we are also going to be having like a live studio audience um, that you can jump in. So if you've ever watched a show like Saturday Night Live or any of the sitcoms, um, what we're doing is we're streaming this, uh, our recording to Discord uh and we're doing it on the voitanos discord community so we got a link there where you can learn more about how you can dive in um voitanos.io slash discord i'll show you really quick what the way this is going to be set up here if you want to take a look um so the way the way it works is that once you join um oh look julie's in the audience um the way it works is that once you join the community um and like i said the link there on the on the uh, on the screen where it's Vuitonus.io slash discord explains how to do it. You basically just going to go in, you're going to join the discord server, um, which is really just a discord account or a discord, um, community. Um, you'll log in once you've connected, uh, to it, there'll be a place where you have to go verify that you've read the terms and conditions and all this stuff. It's all listed on that page. That's linked there on that, on the, on the screen. Um, and then once you get in, you'll see sections for like different events. Um, We use events for a lot of different things, Um, but you'll find an event here where we have like this one you see is our, our live show for episode six, the one we're doing right now. And there's a button where you could say that if you're interested or not, and that'll let you know when we're going live. And then like right now um, there's a section for cloud dev clarity where you can learn about, you know, episodes that are, as they're published. And then when Julie and I, connect to doing a new show like we're doing right now and in the entire pre-show we'll connect the audio um, and we'll stream it live into discord so anybody can jump in and listen in on what's going on and then at the same time you can also go over to the episode chat and you can have like a conversation in the background uh with other people who are listening in on the show or uh, into the recording um ideas about future episodes stuff like that so you can just kind of keep in touch with what's going on with this we'll have that up during the show, the, we primarily are going to be doing the when we do the show, we're primarily going to be focusing on just the conversation that Julie and I are having. Um, but I mean, there may be times we kind of look over there, we take a peek and it's like, hey, look, you know, this person's saying something or this person saying something and we want to go through, and we want to show that or yep. talk about that. So um, we may bring that up, um, but no guarantees we're doing that. We just thought it'd be a good, good way to interact with us.
1: Yeah. Gives us a way to, 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 like you said, interact with people and, you know, Hey, if people use it great. And if they don't, they don't. But if you have ideas for the show or feedback about the show or things you want us to cover or whatever, it's a great way to, um, share that information. Not that you can't do so in the comments, in the YouTube videos themselves, or, you know, reach out to either one of us on Twitter or whatever. So lots of ways to do it, but that's just
0: one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, cool. Show let's move on to the meat potatoes.
1: Yes, meat and potatoes. I like potatoes. I, like I them. love potatoes. I like I them potatoes. roasted with ghee and salt. Ghee? Never mind. What's ghee? ghee, clarified butter.
0: Oh, I can't have butter.
1: I know. I'm sorry. Really good, but, though. Well, it's got no milk fat in it. You might be able to have it.
0: No, I didn't know that. Well, maybe Yeah, yeah I I'll take my potato, baked potato, a nice big baked potato and like smear it in Crisco <laughs> and then put oh, right, um, sea salt on big rock salt. We didn't have a in.
1: conversation. We'll have a whole thing about the cooking of the potatoes. Episode
0: seven, we baked potatoes on Cloud them, <laughs> <of> Clarity.
1: <laughs> That's what we're doing. All right. Uh, all right. Meat and potatoes. So today
0: we're going to talk about is about Azure resources. Um, we get, yep. I get a lot of questions like, well, what am I supposed to use? I was actually on Reddit earlier today and I saw someone like, you know, what am I supposed to choose to store my data? What do you use? And yep. I, I, I think I want to stress this my from my point of view. I mean, you got maybe have a different opinion, but we're going to share like what resources we most commonly use in our, in our uh, day-to-day Azure lives when we're building an app, whether it's something that lives inside of a SharePoint or or lives inside SharePoint or Microsoft Teams or Viva or any of the Microsoft 365 stuff. But when we need to have uh, extra resources where we're going to store or host host some content, have some data, um, what do we end up using in Azure? Um, so we've got, we have our list. It's not exhaustive on everything inside of Azure. Oh no, yeah, no. We have our own reasons of things where we like or dislike stuff. And I would very, I would uh, be very curious to hear from people who are watching this episode, what are we talking about that you disagree with? What are we not talking about that you thought that are your favorite resources and why? And the best way to do that, leave yes, a comment. comment. Leave yeah. a comment
1: down below for sure. I, I have to say you and I come at this from very different perspectives based on just why we use Azure, you know, I Boy think girl. of it as an <laughs> that too, but I was more <laughs> thinking I think of it as an extensibility extensibility platform for the platform, you know, we came as a Microsoft 365 developer, I you know, I did come from that, you know, we've talked about this, the SharePoint on-prem days where when you wanted to extend the platform, you used a farm solution or a sandbox solution or whatever it was with a SaaS product, like the Microsoft or PaaS product, depending on how you want to think about it with that kind of product, you have to come at that from a completely different way. Extending that platform is a different thing. And so I think of Azure as the natural extension, the way that we extend, the platform. So I come at it from that perspective. And I think you come at it from a slightly different perspective as using the platform, mostly to run Voitanos or to automate parts of your business or, or whatever that might be. So it's, it's interesting because we'll have different perspectives on these things, although we'll use many of the same things.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I, I, I use it for the same things that you use it for, but that's not my primary use case. My primary use I mean. case yeah. is what you described is to run my yeah. business. Um, but yeah, I'm. I have everything I can. If it's not like a SaaS service I'm using that's outside of Azure, like for example, my courses or my videos are all stored. Uh, I use a service called Wistia for streaming the videos, right. um, and so the, the, my videos aren't in Azure. Um, they're backed up to Azure, but everything else about my 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 company, everything else is stored inside Azure. So,
1: right. right. Okay.
0: So why don't we kick it off? Yeah. I'm gonna let you dive go in. first. Well, I think
1: we should start with um, Azure Functions because I feel like that is, you know, as serverless compute goes, it is the, you know, the low hanging fruit, easy to get in, easy to get started, easy to scale. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can really start to build upon it and do more and more and more with it. I think there's ways to go beyond it, but it's certainly the low hanging fruit, right? Because you can be, I mean, I'm going to say very clearly that this is not something I think should be done, but you can use it to even automate PowerShell scripts, right? You mm-hmm. can, you can go to the platform, you can create a new Azure function. You have an editing, uh, pane right there. You, you don't, you, you can be right in the, in the, um, browser and putting your PowerShell script in there and then, you know, HTTP trigger, timer trigger, whatever it might be to run that. PowerShell script. And so from a low hanging fruit, I just want to get started with Azure type of place. I feel like it's a real easy entry for many people. And mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of flavors, right? You can, you can, uh, the platforms I said, PowerShell, but you can, uh, Java is one you can write C sharp, which would be.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's not only .NET core, there's .NET standard, Uh, and then you can do node several different versions of node are supported. So there's a lot of variety, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of ice cream flavors for you to choose from.
0: There is. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, like you, you got other, the other options that people probably look at. It's like, this is, I guess this is the category that I look at is where am I going to run my stuff? Where am Mm -hmm. I going to host my website? Where am I going to go through and run my stuff and host website? That's not what an Azure function is really for. Mm -hmm. It's really more like, I think that the, the, the quintessential, um, place that the thing that scenario you would look for, for like running and getting out your function is to have some sort of an API endpoint, um, yes. that, or doing some sort of an event based scheduled process, meaning like an HTTP triggers, what's going to trigger this request off. Right. Right. Or right. contents being added to a queue or right. something is being added to storage. Something, some event is going to happen. That's going to kick off a process to run
1: whether that be a timed event, because let's think back to server based right back in Mm -hmm. the day when we would have a server, how many times would we use the task scheduler to schedule Mm -hmm. a nightly job that we wanted to run. So we have that ability in an Azure function, we can say, hey, this is a timer trigger, it's going to run once a day, once an hour, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. You mentioned the queue ones, those are really powerful. And I think Mm -hmm. um, often People are a little fearful of them. They're like, what the heck am I supposed to do this? And how does this all orchestrate? But that, when we were, when I sort of said, you, you know, you low hanging fruit, you can start, and then you can escalate. queue triggers, huge for that. Really cool for event triggering by saying, hey, I have maybe an Azure function where uh, it's a, an API endpoint where somebody asks the question or whatever, and maybe that question or that that uh request trigger puts a message on a queue that means that a job will run against that queue later and and deal with some of those messages that are left for it and so mm-hmm. you can get really powerful as far as orchestration goes by just you know assembling azure functions together in certain ways i think that's it's very powerful
0: yeah i agree um I agree. I totally <laughs> agree with it. the 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 flavors oh, like agree. so any like so let me just tell you like a little special stuff that i like to do with Azure functions. Um, yep. I we can go much deeper in this and a lot of the like I said earlier, a lot of these topics we're gonna go over. I'm sure that we could possibly have another episode where we talk about each one of these individually. So if you're sure. watching this and you're curious, I mean let us know in the comments if that would be interesting to you. Um, but like for me, Every single Azure function uh, setup that I'm going to have, almost all of them are done on um, premium, um, not on the consumption plan. The consumption yep. plan is cheaper, but it takes longer to spin up. And so, if it's a if it's an endpoint, like an API endpoint that you're going to have, I want a yep. quick response. And so, taking 18 seconds to spin up from a cold, uh, go find you know available resources, go provision those resources, then spin it up. I don't want to wait. Um, yep
1: yeah i mean although on the flip side of that if i've got a really small business that i'm working with that has um very tight budget constraints and depending on what that thing is that they're requesting to do i don't know that i have a problem with that if i'm trying to keep them to a few dollars a month or close to zero a month for some low consumption type of thing i'll take a consumption plan and deal with a weight it depending
0: so let me flip that around. If it's an HTTP trigger, I want it to be premium. If it's going to mm-hmm. be any other kind of trigger, I'm cool with it being consumption. Right, That's right, right.
1: No, like, I just... I hear you, but I even have HTTP triggers that I'll leave in consumption for sure. Ah, okay. And and it doesn't bother anybody because they're waiting for a SharePoint page anyway, so they don't care. It's going to take twenty seconds anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, let's be let's be honest. It's true. Um, the other part of it with uh, Azure Functions is. I'm a hundred percent Linux. Um, I do not use Are Windows. Are you? So.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I use
0: Linux for all of my platform stuff. If it's an option, I hard, I try to avoid Windows at all costs. I find Linux to be faster.
1: I, I'm no argument here at all. I just, it, it, we've talked about this in the past. There's sort of that you get stuck in a rut and that's what you do. And you don't mm-hmm. really, Take the time to do something different. I'm definitely in that sort of rut, um, and so we were sort of talking about what we might want to work, you know, explore more. For me, absolutely getting out of that rut that says I have to use .net and write C sharp, and you know what I mean. So if I was switching to like node based, uh, TypeScript slash JavaScript things then yeah exploring the diff- the linux platform over the windows platform makes a heck of a lot of sense. So I totally agree with that in principle, but full disclosure haven't gone there. Just haven't yeah. haven't made that switch.
0: I guess the other one too for me is that like almost all the continuous deployment and automation stuff that I do everything is using linux runners and so it's like
1: yeah stay yeah. one way. Yeah, absolutely and that actually is a really good argument about why you might want to because as I have started to do some of that automation, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, um, you know, one on one separately. But mm-hmm. as I start like building up those automation, um, you know, CICD, perf- you know, ways to deploy and to manage my deployment cycle, then you're making a huge point about the mm-hmm. fact that you kind of want to stay on the same platform.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with it. It's just
1: no, but I agree. I agree.
0: Okay. So next Um, question. Next point. Yeah. You want to do storage?
1: Yeah. Let's do storage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your preference? Or you want me to go first? Well,
1: well, I was going to say the thing again, from the wanting to shift thing um, I had again, just stuck in a rut, always been a SQL server person. You want data, you put it in a SQL server, you have some tables. That's how you do it. I can write queries in my store procedures in my sleep. So that's, That has been always the way, but I have recently just started being like, why am I using a SQL server when I need like two tables and that's about it? Why am I paying for that whole thing? So I have switched to some table storage, but you've got way more experience. Well, so with storage is blob storage, file shares, please somebody tell me why that's useful. (laughs)
0: Like a map drive.
1: Yeah, I know, but Jesus, really? Map drives? I, yeah, I agree with you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, queues. This is where your queues go. So we were talking about Azure Functions before. When the messages get stored for your queues, they go in uh, queue storage. That's also part of storage. And then you got the table storage. So those mm-hmm. are the basic kinds of storage. What are the other kinds? Because you do a lot of them.
0: So um, I don't use SQL. Sequ- I, I can't. I couldn't tell you the last time I had to write a SQL statement. Um, (laughs) I don't remember the last time I used a a relational database.
1: if you need some Uh, help, I'm here for you. (laughs) I might need it one time.
0: So, but I I do find that I just don't have a need for like relational stuff anymore. I mean, it does, I'm not saying it's, it's obsolete.
1: No, I don't think so For me, it's
0: more like relationships or it's like, Mm -hmm. how are things are related? And I know you can do that with like, you know, relational, you know, integrity and stuff. for me, the big one that I prefer using now is document storage. So that's like Cosmos DB right. and using more like document databases. Yep. Um, the downside document DB is more is is it can be expensive, um, but they've been much more friendly with their their setups. I totally wore the wrong shirt today. I can you can tell that it's like summertime and I've been in the sun <laughs> quite a bit. So like I'm wearing like a V-neck <laughs> T-shirt and I'm like, oh, nope, it's like, tan is worth, oh, there you go. It, so, unless
1: you've seen Mark Anderson in the summertime you got nothing his white <laughs> hair he is so dark it's yep. crazy and with the white hair and he's got blue eyes it's like whoa marks <laughs> in rhode island <laughs> yeah.
0: so um yeah so for me like uh, cosmos DB is big that's where you can talk you can do like you can still do like uh use the tables um uh query style to being able to get the data yep. back out yep. um but i'm a big fan of cosmos DB. the other one too is that if i'm just doing like like short burst style data where I don't want to like store it and store it and then have to come back read it back out right away really fast. I want I want things to be really snappy. Um that's Redis. I love yes. having a hosted you, version of Redis. Throw a key in there, let it expire after a certain amount of time.
1: It's a really interesting scenario and mm-hmm. one that I haven't had need for, but if I ever do, I'm I'm definitely going to go down that road. It's just yeah. not something that's come up, so I don't
0: you know so here's a, here's a great way to use it. Uh, get, you know, it's a real world thing that we'll talk about in a second. You know, when you do an authentication, someone comes in, you want to authenticate. So you have to go obtain an access token from mm-hmm. um, like Azure AD. Um, to do that, you're probably going to be using something like the um, authorization code flow. So yep. you're going to get back an authorization code. You want to use that code to then go fetch and get the access token. Well, to make sure that someone isn't like hijacking the request, you use a state variable or a state mm-hmm. string that you pass in that Azure AD is going to read right back to you. Yep. Um, I store that inside of Redis. So oh. the state value, I generate whatever the original request is. I serialize it or I use a, uh, I do a one way hash on it or I stick it into a, like for me, I actually stick it into a JOT token. Mm-hmm. Store that JOT token at, in Redis and the state value, I get a hash of that JOT token. And then that's the state string that I send over to Azure AD. So when they come back to me, I take the state and I look for it inside of um, Redis Ooh, that's only been there for smart. about a minute or two. Right. Um, and it pulls out. If there's something there, then I know it's a legitimate request. If there's not something there, I know that you've either taken too long to do the authentication because the key expired um, or you're hijacking me. But I don't have to right. worry about like cleaning up the data afterwards and all that stuff. Redis purges it for me. And it's that blazing is fast.
1: Very smart move. Yeah, that yeah. is really smart way to use that. Interesting.
0: So hmm. those are two of my favorites. Yep. Um, one that kind of goes along with the storage side too, is like if you have to deal with certificates or settings for mm-hmm. your app. So for setting or for certificates or things that need to be like encrypted and not like clear text kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, key vault. That's yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. and so... before and this was one of the things we're gonna talk about, which is App registrations, enterprise applications, that is a service principle. Service principles that are tied up of managed identity and managed identity in Azure is probably the best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. But pausing on that statement <laughs> to be able to. Uh, use Key Vault. I I don't think people know that if you need a certificate, you can go into Key Vault and say, create me a certificate and it creates Mm -hmm. the certificate. You don't have to do the whole command line, thing, you know, create the certificate export, it, blah, 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 you don't have to do any of that. No. And all of that key vault stuff, then you can, if you need it, like, so if you're going to store things in key vault that you might need, like, let's say in your Azure function or somewhere else in, in Azure, you can reference that key vault and because of this, thing that I want to go into a little more depth. This is managed identity. You can tell the Azure function, the Azure function will have access to your key vault and thereby you can have an, a slot or an app, um, uh, an app setting that says, Hey, this app setting is for some secret that I have in key vault that I want to get back. I want the Azure function to have access to. And basically because you have told, key vault that the Azure function has access to it, you can pretty much wipe your hands of that and know that that's like a whole, you know,
0: it's all behind the scenes. It's all, clean. all behind
1: the scenes. It's all clean and it's in there and, you know, one person does it and creates it and then everybody just walks away. And yeah. I, I think as far as like having to have a human be involved. And I think mm-hmm. especially when you get into the regulatory environments where you need to have those separations of concerns and all of that kind of, it makes your life so much easier when you can say, yeah, we have this one account. That's the account that goes in and creates those keys in the key vault. XYZ person has access to those credentials to do that. But after that, there is no human involvement in the mm-hmm. access of the that data. And so it's really easy to document what you're doing and you don't get a lot of questions. When you can put that in front of an auditor and say, yeah, this is what it is. Boom, they're gonna be so happy. They're gonna be like, yep, yeah, okay that's fine.
0: Move along. Yeah.
1: Makes your life a lot easier.
0: So to that extent too, the other one that I love to use is, um, app configuration. Um, mm-hmm. and that's great for like having, like, these are my settings for dev. These are my settings yes. for production and yes. those can also map to a uh, key vault value to where you can store like secure strings or, um, mm-hmm. not just, not just like certificates, but you can actually store like connection strings oh, yeah. or passwords, stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: So like I use that in my Azure Functions where like I have a property I used to store a ton of stuff in the app settings, um or in the yeah app settings uh, inside of Azure Functions and now I just store like two or three things and one of them is like for the slot that goes you know what is this this, this is staging or this is dev or, this is production yes yes and yes. then my app is written to say I'm expecting certain properties in app configuration but to know okay. which property setting I'm looking for or which environment. I figure out what am I running in. I get that from the environment variable in the slot that I'm running inside Azure functions, and then it knows how to go get that setting so now I can have complete decoupling of my settings from the runtime and yes. um, and let the just let the configuration of the app setting tell the runtime are you dev prod staging et etc
1: right and that becomes really powerful as excuse me, especially when you start down that CICD pipeline, where mm-hmm. you're trying to like orchestrate a bunch of stuff. And if you've um, if you encapsulated things in that way, makes your life so much simpler than oh, like totally. copying out like 400 different properties and pasting them over and over and over again in different places. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that that is definitely I like I like that one as well. Yeah, um.
0: want to do the the identity
1: let's let's talk the identity let's just talk it through one more time i like flew through it and i think you probably know this even better than i do but i had me figuring. (laughs) (laughs) we're not having that episode today i don't have a margarita it's (laughs) not late enough that isn't happening um i had i actually had a i was today years old kind of moment a couple years ago now but I had a today, year old moment when I went when somebody finally went. Oh no, app, enterprise applications are just your service principles, and I went, mm-hmm. wait, what? Is that <laughs> what the hell those things are? <gasps> the name is terrible. Yep. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Julie overload.
1: Let, let's let's confuse people even more than it's already to be able to be confused by the different kinds of authentication you can do and the way you do that, whatever, authentication Mm -hmm. versus authorization versus whatever. So you have an app. So Azure AD has a section for app registrations. Mm -hmm. That section is where you define what an application might need access to. So, mm-hmm. if you disagree with how I'm describing this, I would love you to step in and and give more names. You're on a roll. I'm letting you run.
0: <laughs>
1: so, um, app registrations then are how you describe your application. So it gets an application ID. There's some configuration stuff about it. You can say this. It has these permissions to these APIs that are out there. So that can be things like, um, you know. Microsoft things like the graph or SharePoint or any of the other API endpoints that Microsoft provides, or maybe your own API that you've defined and registered. So you can give that, say that this app has access to these APIs and which ones they have as a default. So there's Mm -hmm. more to that. Let's not go there. You can um, set up again that managed identity thing. But um, for access to the app, you can specify whether. um, Oh, God, now I'm going to forget all the stuff because I'm trying to do it from memory, which is terrible. Um, You can define what kind of authentication type. So um, the the style um, like what's your
0: what's supported flows for.
1: Yes, thank you. That was what I was trying to come up with the supported yep. types of flows. So we can define all of that kind of stuff. So you defined your app. And and the other thing that defining your app does is you're also going to say one of three things, you're going to say this app is for only um, mm-hmm. things in my tenant, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's cross tenant. And I think there's M- a third multi tenant, multi tenant, yeah. but there's, there's, there's a person one, one, too. Other personal that's the other one personal yeah. so it's like so, yeah
0: so single tenant just my company right multi tenant i'm like an isv building something and any company can use this app right um, including me um, or it's all, and or it's also available in a personal scope so you could authenticate not just with the azure id identity but you can authenticate with like a microsoft account in live.com or hotmail.com account
1: right that's the third one yeah. so that's where you define everything Mm-hmm. And then the thing that got confusing until I really realized that that was what it was for is that there's another section called enterprise apps. That's above it because it's alphabetical. Mm-hmm. Not. It's worse mm-hmm. alphabetical. Um, is enterprise apps. And enterprise apps are the service principles. And a managed identity is a type of service principle. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was like, Okay. And there's a couple other, like you have a user principle, but that doesn't go, that's separate. That's Mm -hmm. AD, that's separate. So those are security principles as well, but not here. And this is like, also like if you, if somebody else has a multi-tenant app that they've created, when you authorize Am I using the right word? When you authorize that app to have access to your tenant, that service principle for that gets created in the enterprise app. So that's where you find that. And that can also be, there can be legacy ones for like SAML tokens and stuff in there. There's like a lot of different uses
0: for those those things. The way so the way that i understand this, or the way i the way this is explained to me which, yeah, which you gels is that when you create an app when you <laughs> do an app registration it is yep. just like the definition so think about that like right. old yes. school that's yep. like when you create a workflow you're creating a workflow but by itself it's nothing right. it just describes stuff when you create when you add that app to your tenant which if yep. you're doing single tenant it's all happens at one time if right. it's multi-tenant you're basically saying yes i let this app actually do stuff inside my tenant Right. That's what's creating an instance of that workflow in the right. app thing. We're creating an yes. instance really of that app registration yep. in my tenant and yep. if a single tenant. When I create the app registration, it creates the instance at the same time. So that's right. a real configuration. You can have a app registration without the instance, but it's useless. It's just a right. definition.
1: Right. 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 Exactly. Right. Yes. So you I, did a much better job of explaining it. That's so why you're I the can... educator.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Um, Somebody better be. The yeah, so that that was the part that always me- it messed me up for a little bit too, and just trying to understand what a service principle is. And it's like, oh, it's service principle. So when I want to do like a managed identity, and I want to give uh, like an Azure function the ability to have re- the reader RBAC role on a storage account, it's right. I just say like create a managed identity, and what that basically does is oh, we'll create a service principle for that Azure function r- resource. Yes. and give that resource in the in the permission or in the the permission triangle which is there's a there's the thing at the top point yeah there's the permission that they're being granted and then there's the what are they being permi- granted the permission to so right. that thing is granted this permission on that thing right and so the source principle is that is the 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 instance of that like the configuration of all that right
1: right it's the triangulation of that and yep. that is the powerful special sauce That allows you to just create a whole bunch of things in Azure and have them all have access to each other without you having to authenticate to each thing. And that is crazy powerful. And once I started doing that, I was like, oh, why haven't I done this forever? It's really, it's really cool. It's really, really cool.
0: So I know we got a couple of things we want to run through, and we're starting to get, we're maxing out on our time that we've got. We are maxing out. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do like, little rapid fire, one or two things, and then okay. what is something in Azure that you are interested in that you wanna learn more, play more with? So rapid fire, like, I think that we, we both have a couple things on, our, on the same list, like CDN, hmm. a content deploy, uh, delivery network.
1: Huge, huge use case. Um, App yeah. Insights, we both use it. The only thing yeah. I wanted to say about that is if you have one of those, if you are very cost conscious, Watch, go and watch your costs when you have created your app insights because if you're really verbose in your use of app insights the costs can go up a little bit so you you need to know what you're doing there um sometimes i'll build something be very verbose at the beginning while i'm debugging and making sure things are going well and have an app configuration that basically throttles my logging back for when I'm Mm -hmm. in production so that I can just move it back and forth. So I have all that verbose logging, but I'm not gonna incur costs when I don't need to incur costs. So that's a good one.
0: Yep. Um, Yeah, so same, I'm gonna put them all in the same thing is app insight slash Azure monitor slash log analytics. Mm -hmm. Because like Mm -hmm. Azure monitor is all of this telemetry kind of monitoring stuff. Log analytics, that's where all of your telemetry data goes. So you can do like direct queries against it using the Custo language or mm-hmm. um, whatever. And then set up
1: alerts. You can set up alerts with that, well, which is very handy as a consultant.
0: Well, that's an app Insights, stuff, right?
1: No, it's the monitor. It's well, you use a log analytics query to set up a monitoring thing. And it'll send if you say if I've had X number of things that meet this query in certain amount of time, send me an email with the details. So okay. I use that a lot in my consulting world where I'll say, I'll set these notifications up so that if something's going really wrong for a client mm-hmm. with something that I've given them, it's going to start email me. So I know what's going Got on it. or yeah. SMS or whatever you want to use.
0: So those are some big things there. Let me, okay. So then I think that's everything. Is there anything else we want to make touch on? Mm,
1: I don't see anything. Oh, well, ACAs.
0: Well, so that was, that's the part where I was like, what are you interested in? What do you want to play more? Oh, okay. With? So Sorry. what do you have one on your list?
1: I, I already said it, it I, that I wanted to start going instead of being you know stuck in my little path with um, net and and ah. C sharp. I'm gonna try to expand my horizons with doing Azure Functions with like Node and and um, you know because it's not like I don't use it. I write yeah. <laughs> TypeScript all the time, but yeah. you know
0: anyway. Um, so the big one for me is uh, is around containers, um, yeah. specifically it's container apps or Azure yeah. container apps, otherwise known as ACAs. Um, and that along with using it in conjunction with something called Dapper, um, the Distributed Application Platform Runtime, which is lets you kind of run like a sidecar. Essentially it adds like an endpoints. If you create a container that's got a bunch of like endpoints in it to respond to different requests, Okay. Um, you maybe have to do things like authentication. You also have to do, deal with things like how do I store stuff to a um, Azure storage um, or to SQL, or to cosmos or whatever. Um, dapper is a sidecar you can install so that you can go to the localhost slash storage slot and then post something to that. Oh. And depending on what you've configured up with the dapper sidecar, it mm-hmm. know it has like a standardized um, endpoint thing standardized protocol so that I can post data to that storage endpoint and how the Dapper sidecar is configured, it's either gonna send it to Azure Storage or SQL or to Cosmos. So I don't, no, I don't have to like worry about all these different time. languages. No, 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 no. It's, oh, it's more it.
1: than that because it's gonna do the, it's gonna know how to talk to each other other things.
0: Yes. Got it, got, yeah. it, got so it, got it. So it knows how to do PubSub and it can connect mm-hmm. to PubSub with, like PubSub is kind of standardized, but yep. the way you talk to RabbitMQ and the, the way you talk to, Um, like the Azure storage queues, um, they use a different protocol, different stuff. If you talk to it through Dapper, it's one, and I can just swap out Ah. the provider. It's like a provider model kind of thing.
1: Oh, interesting. Very cool. So the
0: thing that I like about the container apps is that I love containers because I love the idea of that the way I run it, I build it and run it on my laptop, it's going to run the exact same way in the cloud, right? No matter, it's the exact same full control over the environment, all the way down to the, to the OS level um but not having to deal with all the the details of a virtual machine the thing that i the the thing that i like about um azure container apps is that it's essentially kubernetes without all of the other infrastructure that you have to learn to be able to run kubernetes even though we have aks i don't i have to learn about all the stuff about networking and i have to learn about um, discovery service and all that stuff dapper handles the discovery service so i can find you know, do I have another container somewhere in my environment that's running, I don't know, serving like it's my inventory service. I can just say that that's the inventory service and go to Dapr and go, go to the inventory service. And Dapr's like, I know where that is, I got gotcha. you. Oh,
1: the that's thing nice. that I like
0: about the ACA stuff though, is that it abstracts away a lot of the stuff that you have to do with Kubernetes, but it's mm-hmm. still Kubernetes. And so I don't have to be a Kubernetes person to yes. be able to leverage Azure container apps. Yeah. And what I'm trying, what I'm starting to kind of get play more with is using ACAs to strangle out my uh, usage of Azure functions so that okay. I'm starting to take some of the Azure functions that I've created and switch them over to being a bunch of microservices implemented using Azure Container Apps. And I have a use API management resource to to like let you go from api.voitano.io slash whatever the endpoint is. to point to a specific Azure function. Mm -hmm. So the goal is is to stand up an Azure container app with a bunch of microservices for that one endpoint and then just take the API management and say, instead of pointing to Azure function, now point to the Azure container app.
1: I gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I've got a specific business problem that it's actually going to allow me to fix that I can't do with with, um, Azure functions. And the reason I like that is because running Azure functions on your laptop versus running it in Azure is a different experience.
1: It is a different, that is valid. That is very but valid. But with
0: container yep. apps, it's 100% yep. the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and if you've got a complex business problem to solve, it may, may be the better way to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. so here's a classic scenario where I can't solve something right now with Azure Functions. I created this little service that allows me to pass in a value on the query string that generates uh, generates a, 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 a page a page with a couple values in it. So it's so how I do what are called open graph images. So when yep. you paste a URL into Facebook yep. or Twitter or whatever, it shows you that big picture preview of it. Yep. So I dynamically generate those. The way I do that, pass in a URL, check to see if the image has already been generated. If not, redirect to a page that uses CSS and everything to lay out how I want the image to look, take the values out of the query string and plug them in for like the dynamic URL, the dynamic, uh, text and mm-hmm. then the image that I want to use to show in that and in the, like the, the highlight thing. If you look at any of my blog posts on Twitter, you'll see they use that. The challenge and then I have to get a picture of it. So I use the headless version of Chrome to load that web page, take a mm-hmm. snapshot of it and save it as a PNG to Azure Storage. I got you. And then I return a 302 back to the requester of that of that image in the future. Check to see, does the image exist? Yes. Just redirect them to that. Don't read during the image. Yep. Well, an update with Puppeteer requires you to have a specific dependency installed if you're running on Linux. I can't do that. I can't do that because yeah. I can't change the runtime in the Azure Function.
1: Yeah, no, that's true.
0: If yeah, a but container, you
1: can as a container because you can define can. your own.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's the, that's the appeal of it. Um, I played around with a little bit of it. I'm surprised at how easy and simple it is to spin this stuff up. Yeah. Um without all the overhead and the scariness of um, Kubernetes. So yeah. Azure container apps, that's like my that's my uh, hammer and I'm running around, I'm running around <laughs>
1: nailing <can> everything. <laughs> Just don't nail your shirt to a tree. You'll
0: yeah. be fine. So, so my 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 goal would be is that I would say that if I could snap my fingers, like give me give me three two or three weeks. And I can migrate my entire Azure Function app that I have right now and my entire workflow over to a bunch of microservices all running in Azure Container apps. And it looks like I can do everything that I'm doing with Azure Container apps instead of using Azure Functions. And I can get It'll out It'll be of interesting
1: Azure to see how your price comparison ends up being, too. You know what I mean?
0: That's a good point. That's like, a very good point. Like, is it
1: apples to apples? Is it more? Is it less? Be, be an interesting thing to know.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You do have more control over it, but mm-hmm. you also have less, um, but there's also more magic to it. So like right. like with an Azure function, I with a consumption model, you can scale down to zero. Right. Um, you can do the same thing with Azure Container Apps, but then with an Azure Container App, I could say you could scale down all the way down to one instance and spin up and scale up to a certain cap right. under these specific uh like heartbeat conditions
1: sure okay so anyway we'll future episode. <laughs> yeah all right well i think that wraps it we've we've gone a little long so i think we should wrap it up Sounds so good. what did you all think of this episode uh let us know by dropping a comment below in the comment section and hit the subscribe button if you want to be notified the next time we have an episode going out and you will be notified via that nice subscription feature that YouTube has. Um, We'll see you next time on Cloud Def Clarity. Thanks everybody.
0: Thanks everybody.